Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. Here we are. Season 2, Episode 8, Glory of Love. 8.7 rating on IMDb. That's a great title for this episode. <laughs> it sure is. Because <laughs> everybody's hooking up. It's very fitting. We open with Johnny leaving his apartment, and he's going to Miguel's right across the hall, and Carmen answers. And he tells her he's there for her, and we're into some dream sequence music video. I could not believe what we're watching here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> because I'm just wondering, if you're an actor on this show, you're used to your character, you're used to the storyline, and all of a sudden out of left field. Yeah, this is off script. <laughs> We've got white snakes. Here I go again. And this is a full-fledged 80s music video. What we grew up with. If I'm not mistaken, every scene, every little makeout moment was probably a scene from a movie. I know I definitely recognized Carmen wearing the flash dance gray sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. That iconic Jennifer Beals sweatshirt from oh. Flashdance. So then when I saw that, I started thinking, is every one of these little moments from an 80s movie? Well, probably. But I was so caught off guard with them. They're making out. They're doing karate. <laughs> She's pouring coors on herself and into his mouth. I mean, this is absolutely hilarious and amazing at the same time. Yeah, I can only imagine when they handed the script to the actors, they're like, are you serious? I've done acting roles where I had a wife or a girlfriend, but unfortunately never had a makeout scene. Yeah, that was a pretty big makeout scene. Johnny and Carmen make out big time. No doubt. No mercy. So <laughs> this incredible sequence ends with Johnny waking up in his bed, smiling. Yeah. And this is where we learn that he has a crush on Carmen. I don't think we really knew. We kind of maybe wondered. Yeah. But we didn't know Johnny has a crush on Carmen until right now. Right. Right there under his nose the whole time. This beautiful woman yeah. who cares about him. They have a shared love for Miguel. Yeah. So who knew? Yeah. I mean, it really is perfect. But I am curious, if they were to get together, what Miguel would think of that. Well, we'll find out, I guess. But uh, in Los Angeles, dating, it's a proximity game, too. <laughs> That's true. And this couldn't be any better. I know that I had a girlfriend that lived three miles away. I live in North Hollywood. She lives in Burbank. And three miles, I was like, ah, that's kind of far. What so are then, you talking about? That's perfect. No, no, no. But then I said, that's too far. So then after we broke up, then my next girlfriend lived next door. Well, there you go. That could also be the kiss of death if uh, things don't work out much like this situation. It's true. But in Los Angeles, the San Fernando Valley, all the surrounding areas, you may fall in love with somebody who lives in Long Beach. It's too far. Do you know how long it'll take you to drive to Long Beach on a Friday? Okay, one time... Don't I, do it on a Friday. Can't do it. I drove to Costa Mesa once from North Hollywood on a Friday. It took three hours to go to Costa Mesa, which was only 60 miles. Build your life or traffic can't dictate what you're doing. Yeah. I'm telling you, save yourself the trouble. Keep your friends close. Keep your lovers closer. We're now at the La Russa residence and Daniel is sleeping on the couch. Sal, this doesn't look good. No. When a husband is sleeping on the couch, <laughs> not good. Husband, boyfriend, what have you. It is interesting, though, if you think about it, this is totally sexist. It's always the husband that sleeps on the couch. When does the wife ever sleep on the couch? Ooh. Never happens. I don't think that's in play ever. And then we also meet or see Daniel's mother. She's back in town visiting, I'm assuming. She's staying in the guest room. I love seeing Daniel's mother. It's such a throwback to Karate Kid. Yes. Just to see her on the screen is such a treat. Absolutely. And she's such a fantastic actress. She's great. And she's owned this role since the first film. And her and Daniel have a wonderful connection. Yeah. She knows right away that Daniel's in the doghouse and gives him some encouraging words. But he tries to pretend like he's sick. Oh, yeah. He tries to act like he has a fever. Right. And then she puts her hand on his forehead. And of course, mother's intuition. And she realizes, that, no, you don't have a fever. No. Give her time. She'll come around. So now we cut to Miyagi-Do Dojo, and Sam and Robbie are making out and not leading warm-ups like they're supposed to be. Yeah, this is not good because I don't want Miyagi-Do Dojo to suffer because our two leads here are getting busy. Yeah. But yeah, they're not leading the warm-ups like they're supposed to be. I mean, you can hear something going on in the background, but they're not leading it. No. And they do say to each other that they need to tell her parents, Daniel and Amanda, about things. Yeah. And that's nice. That's good of them to recognize the fact that this cannot remain a secret due to the fact that he lives there. But what are they going to officially tell them? Are they officially a couple right now? 
I don't think they've officially declared that they're a couple. Well, they're acting like a couple, but I don't know. Maybe they could tell them they have feelings for one another. Okay. And then it's like, okay, great. Maybe we need to transition Robbie out of the house to the dojo, like I keep saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Or he rekindles a bond with his father. I mean, there's so many ways this could go. Yeah. Has his mom come home from Cabo adjacent? Yeah, where where is his mother? Gone. (laughs) (laughs) M.I.A. I have no idea. It's a slippery slope because you want to be honest with your parents and say, hey, Robbie and I are, you know, we have feelings for each other. We're kind of dating. But then that could change the whole scenario. It's going to change everything. Otherwise, you have your high school daughter's boyfriend living with you. Yeah. How's that going to look at the country club? Yeah, not good. So then we hear Dimitri and he's found something. Sal, what is it? We hear Dimitri go, hey, look at this. And this is when Robbie and Samantha then go outside. And we see that Dimitri has found the Medal of Honor. And we know he didn't just find it. It was placed there by Robbie for someone to find. And then Dimitri's like, hey, look, I found it. And then Samantha's like, oh, it must have been here all along. And and Robbie's like, yeah, it must have been there. And we looked everywhere for that thing. It was just right here by these rocks. Yeah, so we know what Robbie did. No one else does. No credit to Miguel. I do believe that Robbie is a little bit between a rock and a hard place because if he does say, oh, Miguel brought this back, that could incriminate Miguel. So I I don't think think that was his intent. What is his intent? Not giving credit to Miguel and the off chance that Sam wants to rekindle things with Miguel. Okay, so you think that he didn't want to give any props to Miguel. It's not that he didn't want Miguel to be incriminated. Absolutely not. Okay, all right. I'm thinking it's old Robbie peeking out and showing his head. Okay. The Robbie that we don't really know if we trust him yet. We do trust Robbie now, of course. We, we know he's a good guy. He's making smart choices. But this was a sign of his past. Okay. So he's... To the, me. Okay. Well, again, it's open for interpretation, but I was wondering why he didn't say anything. He doesn't want to lose Sam. Things are just now beginning to move and there's feelings. And so he's nervous. Robbie doesn't have a lot going for him either. So this is the best thing that's ever happened. So he wants sure. to kind of hang on to it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't blame him. No, I don't blame him. But I mean, I don't blame him for trying to hang on to what he has. Right. But that could have been handled better. Yeah, it's true. So Johnny's now leaving his apartment, just like in his dream, headed to see Carmen. But what happens? <laughs> he goes over to knock on Carmen's door, Miguel's mother. And here comes Carmen arriving with a date. Graham. Graham. Now, by the way, I do have to say, whenever somebody holds coffees, I always look to see if they are empty. Totally true. I do the same thing. (laughs) And there was a little moment where Carmen holds it a certain way where I think it was a tell that, ah, it's empty. Put water in there. Put something in their prop department. Yes. But anyway, she arrives with Graham. Who's a Brit. Her date. And they have coffee and they even give a quick kiss. Yes, we do see them kissing. Carmen introduces Graham to Johnny. And then Johnny gives him a real firm handshake. Of course. And then Graham says something like, oh, I'm going to need to see the doctor now for an x-ray. And then Carmen says, isn't he funny? Yeah, great. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's so funny. So they walk on. And then you do hear Carmen say to Graham, he teaches my son karate. So we hear her tell him that. Yeah, support Johnny. His plan was foiled right there. He literally was not going to see Miguel. He was going to ask Carmen out. He was going to go all in. That was it. His dream, he woke up inspired and he went to go get a date and shot down. What are the odds? But there you have it. So now we're at LaRusso Auto and Daniel has got Sugarfish, which is a famous sushi place in the San Fernando Valley, as well as spots across Los Angeles. And matcha green tea from Earth Cafe. Also, Earth Cafes are sprinkled all over. And he gets all this to impress upon Amanda that he's making an effort. Yeah. He says, someone must have trekked over the hill, meaning him. Yeah. Over the hill, leaving the valley to go get this good stuff. But what does she say? See, a lot of people, if you don't know the layout, to leave the San Fernando Valley, to go over the hill into Hollywood or West LA or Beverly Hills... Or over on the west side in Santa Monica. When you leave the valley to go do something, it is serious. Yeah, depending on the time of day, (laughs) it can take you 30 minutes to two and a half hours. Yeah, so if you go over the hill to grab food and drink, to bring it back, that's pretty huge. And you live to tell the tale, (laughs) then it's amazing. Yeah, so he says someone must have checked over the hill, meaning himself, giving himself a pat on the back. But she says she's got a meeting in Woodland Hills... 
and can't join him. And she does mumble, it was on our joint calendar. Hello. In other words, why didn't you see it, moron? Is that passive aggressive? A little bit. That's it's a little bit passive aggressive. Yeah, I caught that when she said that. It was Because you know why? That's something I would say. And so then Amanda says, she thanks him anyway. And she says to customers, free sushi if you're hungry. Yeah, because there's a lot of sushi. There was a lot. That was wait, that was for like five, six people. So she's like, give it to some customers. She did thank him for the effort. But this is not going to do it. And she really does have a meeting. Yeah. In other words, the subtext is, hey, Daniel. Wake up. I'm running LaRusso Auto right now. I have to go to an important meeting in Woodland Hills. Nice try. Right. So, yeah, kind of feeling sorry for Daniel here. Amanda is a businesswoman. Yes. She is about business. She is about priorities. And Daniel's been dropping the ball lately. Well, he's been running Miyagi-Do Dojo. Well, dropping the LaRusso Auto Ball yes. is what he's been doing. Right. He lost a noosh. A noosh is gone. And they had to lose a Louis for obvious reasons. Now, what they got to do, though, for sure, is that when you lost Louis and you lost a noosh, you got to replace him. Who replaces Louis and a noosh? We'll see, I guess. I don't know. So now we're at Cobra Kai Dojo, and Miguel and Tori are planning a date night. And we find out that she works at the skating rink, and Friday night is 80s night. So I, I wonder if this is the only skating rink I know of in the San Fernando Valley, Northridge Skateland. I'm wondering if this is indeed Northridge Skateland. There's also another... Well, when I say San Fernando Valley, you have to include Glendale. There is, I believe, a skating rink in Glendale. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that anybody that hangs around Northridge and Encino who's going to go roller skating is going to go anywhere but Northridge Skateland, which I think is still there. I think it's on Parthenia. Well, I hate to break it to you. What? But, <laughs> but it's this Cascade Skating Rink. Yes. In Atlanta. Oh! And this is one of the rare times that they've actually named something... That's actually in Atlanta. Oh, because that's an actual place. Actual. I looked it up. Wow. It's a place. So they didn't even try to pretend it was here. And it was yeah. a cool exterior. And it said Cascade. So I noticed okay. that and made a note of it. So. Okay. So if they were to film this in the San Fernando Valley and they wanted to stay true to the legacy of the San Fernando Valley, this would have been shot at the Northridge Skateland. And had skating been in the Karate Kid films... They probably would have honored that, like golf and stuff. Yes. But since it wasn't, and this place was... It's a new thing. Look cool. It's a new thing. Okay. I'll let him off the hook. Okay. So Tori tells Miguel, you can come. We can hang out on my break, but you got to wear a costume. And so Miguel calls dibs on Anthony Michael Hall's outfit in Weird Science. Yeah. Now, Sal, I am a huge Weird Science fan. It's one of my favorite John Hughes films ever. And back in the day... I could recite the entire film. Really? Line by line? I really could. Wow. As well as 16 Candles and Breakfast Club, but that's a whole other story. You used to know the whole script oh, by heart? I could just go beat by beat wow. through that movie. It's impressive. It's also ridiculous. <laughs> but for him to want to claim Anthony Michael Hall, who is incredible in that movie and all of those early John Hughes films, he doesn't really have a distinct costume. Yeah. He's a nerd. So I find it to be hilarious that he's claiming his costume because nobody would recognize him. Okay, so you would officially call our gang, our Cobra Kai gang, our Miyagi-Do gang, we would call them Generation Z? Correct. But they're talking about stuff from our generation. Yeah, so I give them props for that. I give these Generation Z are talking about things from the 80s that I barely even remember as a Gen Xer. Oh, I remember. Obviously, as I just said. But... This ties into the original film and the showrunners and creators are our age. Yeah. So all of that stayed in that universe. Yeah. Which, of course, excites the heck out of me. Well, we have to remember also that Robbie's middle name is Swayze. Oh, yeah. Remember? So, of course. There's more 80s homage besides the Karate Kid itself. Oh, yeah. But the 80s lingers in the air. I mean, they don't just reference it. Miguel's all about it. Yeah. Remember that time that Miguel went through a deep rabbit hole and discovered all this music from the 80s mm -hmm. yeah. that Johnny told him about? So yeah. I love that they've taken to it. They're a few generations removed, but they have nothing but respect for it. Yeah. Which just kind of warms my heart. It does warm my heart too. You know, why is that? It makes us feel more relevant or we're connected to what they're thinking. I don't know, but guess what? It works. Yeah. So Hawk arrives... And Miguel jumps up and goes over to him. 
Because they've not seen each other since the Coyote Creek incident. Since they fought each other. So what does Hawk tell him? So Miguel says, hey, regarding what happened at Coyote Creek, are we good? And Hawk says, and this was surprising to me. I thought there was going to be beef still. Hawk says, we were enemies for a day, but Cobra Kai for life. Well said. For life. It's like a Cobra Kai bumper sticker. I like that. So, yeah, so yeah, we're good. So now we're back in the office and Johnny takes down the photo of Crease, yeah. the soldier fortune photo. And he goes back and leads the class. Why am I feeling sorry for Crease right now? Yeah. Should I have any sympathy for Crease? And yet when he takes his photo down, I kind of feel bad. Crease is great at making you feel how he wants you to feel. He is. He's a master manipulator. Crease is such a good manipulator that he has manipulated the viewer. <laughs> So he tells everyone that Sensei Kreese will no longer be joining them. Well, because at first they're like, hey, where's Kreese? Should we wait for him? Yeah, Stingray. Stingray's like, should we wait for Sensei Emeritus? So Johnny shares the fact that Kreese did create Cobra Kai, but that his style was outdated and he didn't have everyone's best interests at heart. Yeah, pretty powerful because then he refers to the official Cobra Kai slogan on the wall. Yeah, the motto, the creed. This is a real turning point, I think, for Cobra Kai. Because their official motto since forever, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Now, Johnny starting to distance Cobra Kai from their original slogan. It'll make you an a-hole. And that sometimes you have to know when to use mercy. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you go from no mercy to Sometimes you have to show mercy. What? That's not the Cobra Kai slogan. But this isn't overnight. Johnny's been talking like this, thinking like this since the tournament. So he saw and was affected by how Robbie was treated in that tournament and just didn't like it. Bad optics. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to see Johnny's evolution, but also Cobra Kai is now shifting and changing. Yeah. Is it even going to be Cobra Kai anymore? Well, it can still kick ass, as Johnny will say, but it doesn't have to be merciless. I think Johnny was affected by how all the Cobra Kai students were taking cheap shots at Daniel along the way. I think it affected him then. Well, if you remember back to the first Karate Kid motion picture, when Kreese first says to Johnny, sweep the leg, and Johnny's like, huh? Yeah. Johnny was surprised to hear that, right? And that's when Kreese said, do you have a problem with that? Right. He challenges his student who questioned him for a second. So, yeah, okay, fine. So Johnny has been second-guessing Cobra Kai since 84. That's what I'm talking about. This okay. isn't a new thing. It's just finally now, let's make a decision and train these students a different way. Because he's starting to see what happens if he doesn't. All right, I'll go for that. I'm on board. I'm on board with this. So this all leads to today's lesson, which is headbutting. <laughs> that was a funny segue. So Cobra Kai is not backing down from being tough and drawing blood and doing things the hard way. The thing of it is, when it comes to fighting, headbutting is a tool. The early Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC, used to allow headbutting. Really? Oh, yeah. There was no official rules. You could do pretty much anything. And that's why they couldn't get into certain states. If you follow the history of the UFC, they would go to a state and they would say, hey, can we have our event here? And the state athletic commission would be like, well, what do you guys do? Oh, we do this and we do that and we headbutt and we punch in the groin. And it was no holds barred. And every state was like, uh, no. And they would literally run the UFC out of their state. Oh, my God. And that's why the first UFC was in Colorado. I guess Colorado, well, as we've learned over the years, is a little bit lax uh, on what they allow. On their headbutting. On their head. So they would allow stuff like that. You know, it took them years to get into New York. The fact that UFC is at Madison Square Garden and at big places in New York is huge because for years, New York was one of the last places to allow mixed martial arts. I didn't know so that. if you follow the early UFC 93, headbutting allowed. Today, it's a whole different world. Headbutting is not allowed. But on the streets, hey, you got to use any tool at your disposal. Well, speaking of no holds barred, that was a classic 1989 wrestling movie with Hulk Hogan. Do you remember? Yes, I forgot about that. Totally 80s. Oh, I like the Hawk Hawk headbutts a student and Stingray sees that. He's like, do me next, do me next. And he allows Hawk to headbutt him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. They're so crazy. 
Johnny goes back to his office. Miguel checks in, says, hey, how are you doing? Right. And Johnny's like, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. He says, don't get distracted with Tori. And Miguel's like, oh, you know about that? And Johnny's like, I'm not blind. Play hide the plantain on your own time. <laughs> Such a good That's line. That's a hilarious line. Hide the plantain. <laughs> Meanwhile, he learned what plantains were at Miguel's house for dinner. Yeah, okay. So now he's using it in his humor. Hilarious. Johnny's got some fantastic comedy. Wow. So Miguel says to Johnny, he could set him up on a dating app like he did his mother. Yeah. And it's been working for her. Mm-hmm. So obviously she met Graham yep. on the dating app. Right around 2000, 2001, after Y2K for you Gen mm. Xers, you had this whole onslaught of internet dating. And I tried internet dating. I tried it in the dawn of internet dating. Yeah. And it was not good for me. I am from the Johnny Lawrence School of Dating face-to-face approach. Yeah. Internet dating is a whole different animal. I, as a person who had good luck dating prior to the internet, then went on to the internet, no good luck. Wow. The internet was not a good place for me for dating. Okay, so now we're back at LaRusso Auto, and Daniel has the students waxing the inventory. Right in the showroom, the kids are doing wax on, wax off. And then Amanda, I think her line is so hilarious. Amanda walks in and says she appreciates the gesture, but then she mentions child labor, which I thought was hilarious. She thinks Daniel's doing this as part of the dojo. Wasn't it? He says he's really there on behalf of LaRusso Auto. Okay, so this is not a Miyagi-Do exercise, but a LaRusso Auto work detail. Exactly. Actually, both sides win in this instance. Okay. But he's there to help, and she's still not impressed with his gesture. Yeah, well, Strike two. Yeah. He hasn't brought her back yet. No. She is having problems in their relationship. It's going to take more than sugarfish and green teas and a bunch of students or children waxing the inventory yeah and they've lost uh, now two employees so far in the show well one was his own fault i mean louis had some crazy ideas you know what louis was sort of a loose cannon but he was family and i'm gonna assume he was a good salesman i mean would we assume that maybe yeah maybe okay so so far in the show though larusso auto has lost two employees yeah two salesmen two salesmen yeah. and with, so far we have not seen them re- replaced But they have a lot of dealerships, and I think they have a pretty healthy sales team, and they're probably not hurting just yet. Okay. All right. But it's not a good start. We don't want to see them drop the ball anymore and lose any more of their talent. So now we're back at Johnny's apartment, and Miguel is setting up Johnny's dating profile. This is a hilarious scene, because you see how Johnny is so far removed from our era. So far removed. Our present era. So Johnny is allowing Miguel to set him up with a dating app. Hilarious. And he asked Johnny what his likes are, and they are muscle cars, martial arts, Iron Eagle, and Iron Eagle too. Have you seen both Iron Eagles? Of course. I think that's hilarious. And Johnny's like, Man, I'm used to finding chicks at a bar, bumping into her, not too hard, but hard, and buy her a beer. Yeah. So Sal, have you ever used that approach? Not that exact approach, but I have approached women in public, in person, because my school of thought always was, and this is before the internet came along and ruined dating. For you. Okay. You go up to a woman anywhere, wherever they are, the car wash, the laundromat, the grocery store, the doctor's office, wherever you are. And a woman may give you 20, 30 seconds to impress her, to make her laugh, to get her interested in you. You got 20, 30 seconds to turn her from not interested to interested. The internet, you're just a profile. You're just a photo, your stats, and they go, eh, eh, eh. So right along the time internet dating came along and I said, oh, well, hell, I give my friends advice on dating. So the internet, I got this. The internet dating is a whole different world. And no, ever since the dawn of internet dating, I've never had good luck on internet dating. So Sal, Johnny sounds like you. (laughs) A a little reluctant on this internet dating. However, when Miguel gets up to go look at his wardrobe to give Johnny advice, Johnny looks at the app and he starts to get into it. Well, because he sees a hot babe. (laughs) Totally. But then he starts swiping. And this is why I thought of Tinder, because I've heard of Tinder. 
you see somebody's face, swipe left for no, swipe right for yes. Yeah, but that's most apps now. That's how they all work? Yeah. Okay, so fine. But one thing I did want to create a parallel was when I saw Johnny looking at there, and then Miguel tells him to swipe right or swipe left, right? Very much like left to circle, right right to to circle. circle. Swipe a left, Left, swipe swipe a right. right. Very good point. (laughs) In fact, if there was a site that did the opposite, it could really be problematic. Yeah. People are programmed to do one, so they've all bought into that theory as well, if they offer swiping. So now we're at La Russa residence, and Sam and Robbie are kissing yet again when Daniel's mother comes home and breaks things up, although she doesn't see it. No, but that's what teenagers do. Yeah. Teenagers make out. Yeah. Because they don't usually live together. Well, yeah. But they make out. In fact, if you think about it, it's kind of interesting that neither Daniel nor Amanda had any concerns about this young man staying with them, and they have a young daughter of the same age. Like, they never voiced any concern about this. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd be like, uh, you're staying at Miyagi's house in Reseda. <laughs> you're not going to be staying here with us. Exactly. So then Robbie mentions the two of them should go out on a date or do something outside of the house. Yeah, otherwise you're just sneaking around. The mom shows up, asks for your help with the groceries, moving groceries in from the car. You don't have any private space, really. Exactly. So now we're at some random restaurants, and Johnny goes on a series of dates, and he's out of touch. I'm just wondering if maybe one of these restaurants was Applebee's. (laughs) Didn't look like it. I wanted one of them to be Applebee's. And one thing I do give Johnny credit for, if you notice, all these women were all racist. They were. Johnny is completely open yeah. to all races. So white to woman, Johnny. Asian woman, black woman. You're right. He's on a date with a woman who's going on about her smartwatch. And Johnny's like, oh, you can check your email on that. I just use my Ericsson. Yeah. It's a Sony Ericsson. Right? Good job there. But that's Johnny. like the lowest level smartphone. Yeah, is that what that is? Not impressed. And then he shares how he body slammed a kid and elbowed his teeth for texting class. Yeah. And then this one really killed me. He offered to teach a woman how to drive stick. If you know what I mean. Well, the woman he says that to especially is going on and on about systemic racism and the patriarchy. And I love how Johnny says, oh, I hate the patriots. I hate the patriots. (laughs) He is just so out of touch. And then, Sal, what happens? I didn't know who this woman was at first because at first I'm just thinking, oh, this woman's pretty sexy. I recognized her. You did? You did? you? I didn't know right away. And then she's like, do I know you? And he's like, I don't think so. She's like, you're the guy who installed my... (laughs) It was the woman from the first episode. Season one, episode one. Yeah, where she says, you installed that on the wrong side of the room. And Johnny's like, you didn't tell me which side of the room. And then you called me a bitch. Yeah, and he goes, no, no, I said you were bitching at me and I lost my job because of it. Now, here's what I wanted at this moment as a fan, as a viewer. Yeah. I have to distinguish the two because it's one thing to watch a show as a fan. It's one thing to watch as a viewer. Either way. I wanted them to have a one-night stand. That's what I was looking forward to. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I figured that they would both kind of release some pent-up aggressions. But she was out. She was like, I'm done with these apps. And she takes a hike. I was like, okay, well, so much for that one-night stand. Well, she knows this guy's an ex-handyman, and she didn't get along with him at all. But that's why, if you know TV and movies, when there's that anger, that's going to lead to sex. But she had to go hire someone else, and she probably moved her flat screen to a different wall. So she's just way over him. And she was too tightly wound. Yeah, okay. So my little hope for Johnny to get this hot one-night stand doesn't happen. So now we're back at Larusa residence, and Daniel looks at old photos as his mother enters. Every time I see Daniel's mother, I am big-time excited and brought back to 1984. It's 1984 all over again. Yeah. It's a very touching scene, the fact that they talk about Coney Island and this great trip that they had gone on with his father. When she mentions the Wonder Wheel, which I believe is the Ferris wheel, did you not hear the same music from the Warriors? Oh, it could have been. There's that moment, I think it's in the beginning of the Warriors, when it shows the Wonder Wheel on Coney Island and you hear that kind of uh, suspenseful, spooky music. And there was a little hint of that. Could have been, yes. You could be right. Um, so I'm thinking, is this the same composer or not the same composer, but influenced by and maybe took a sort of an homage to the Warriors? Totally 80s. You know what's weird? Today, when I was walking my dog at lunch, I listened to another podcast and it was a Walter Hill interview. And it's he a... spoke about Warriors. That's very weird. Yeah. Daniel's mother tells the story of when she was in line to get on the Wonder Wheel which is the Ferris wheel at Coney Island. 
And Daniel's father puts his head on her shoulder. She tells a very touching monologue yeah. about her interaction with Daniel's father. Very touching scene. Yeah. And we learn as the audience, Daniel learns more about his father, about the relationship. Because that's one thing I always wanted from the Karate Kid and subsequently Cobra Kai, is I wanted to know more about Daniel's biological father. Yeah. He's had a relationship with Miyagi. Present day, he has a relationship with Robbie. Who is Daniel's father? And we're getting these little nuggets of who his father was and the relationship with Daniel and his father, Daniel's mother and Daniel's father. It sounds like a very happy family. Yeah. yeah. A lot of love. It wasn't like a father that just was a deadbeat dad. He passed away early, changed their life. Yeah. It probably had a huge reason to do with her taking this be. job at the computer company. Yeah. We don't know what, what was the gap between the death of Daniel's father and their move to California. Yeah. In the original Karate Kid. We don't know that. But we're, kind of, we're kind of figuring it out. We don't know any of that. And I hope to learn more as Cobra Kai continues. Yeah. Keeps me vested. In TV and movies or books, or actually just in real life, the more you learn about someone's past, the more you understand them present day. Yeah. The more you understand how they tick and how they operate. So we're learning all these little treats about Daniel's relationship with his father and the mother's relationship with the father. Fantastic. So now Johnny is alone at the bar, and he's sending Allie from Karate Kid, Elizabeth Shue. He's sending her a Facebook message. Yeah, and while he's doing this, like I'm like the sober friend. What are you doing, dude? Don't do this. But Sal, I got to say, for a guy like Johnny, who's very new to technology, he's a pretty fast typer. He is. He's a double thumb texter. He's banging it out. I'm an index, solo index finger texter. Oh, I'm a double thumb. Really? You do double thumbs? Oh, so fast. <sighs> but Johnny's fast. He is. He's way fast. He's about to send a message to Allie. And I'm thinking, dude, what are you doing? So he's a fast typer, but I will say his dialogue could be improved. Because <laughs> what does he say? He's sending her a Facebook message and he says, I'm on this Facebook app. I just signed up on the Facebook it's an app on my smartphone, <laughs> says the five-year-old. Hilarious. So he's not going to send. He has second thoughts about this, like it looks too desperate. Yeah. And this woman yep. takes a page out of his own playbook and bumps into him at the bar, causing him to send the message. Yeah. And this has happened. A similar thing happened to me once. I was sending maybe not a dissimilar message to somebody that I shouldn't have been doing. And I was hesitating, like, nah, you shouldn't send this. And my cat, my cat bumped me. <laughs> my cat bumped me and pressed send. I swear to God, this totally happened. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So this, this is what happened to Johnny. This woman, yeah, she bumps his arm. He sends the message. And I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen now with Allie? We don't know what's going to happen yet. But her bump was malicious. It was intentional. It was very intentional. Yeah. And she's bumping into him to buy him a drink to have a chat. Yeah. But... While that happens, now we're at the Cascade Skating Rink. Not Northridge Skateland. I hate to break it to you. And Samantha and Robbie enter. I got to say, though, and I really mean this with all sincerity, I thought Sam looked beautiful with that hairstyle. I could not believe how and gorgeous she, is she looked. she wearing the straight-up Molly Ringwald pretty in pink dress. She looks great. So that's the Molly Ringwald pretty and pink hairstyle? Absolutely. For the big dance at the end. Oh my gosh. She looks so beautiful. Like a 1940s starlet as far as I'm concerned. And Robbie's dressed as James Spader? Now listen, Sal. I know my James Spader movies. <laughs> and I know my 80s Spader movies. Spader is also in Pretty in Pink. He played a bit part. He was a super rich kid. Okay. But I don't remember this outfit. No, I'm just thinking that Robbie's in sort of a generic... 80s outfit, right? To me, it's a Miami Vice outfit. I guess yeah. it's the, the white kind of suit. Sure. I, I wonder if he had any socks on. Yeah, that would have been a giveaway. Yeah. So I, I have to go back and watch Pretty in Pink again, a movie I'm very fond of, another John Hughes film, although he didn't direct it. It was directed by Howard Deutsch, and I love it. But maybe there is a scene with Spader in a white suit, and then I stand corrected. But I love how Samantha says he should have gone as Andrew McCarthy or John Cryer as Ducky. Which is great, because there are also probably more memorable roles in those films. But Ducky's outfit would have been perfect for Robbie. But with his hair and his good looks, he went for Spader. Well, did I ever tell you about the time I ran into John Cryer at Ralph's? No. I was at Ralph's in Studio City 
Ventura Boulevard and Vineland one night or afternoon, I forgot when, and I see John Cryer. And I went over to him and I said, hey, you're John Cryer. And he goes, yeah. And I go, you're an American icon. And I meant it. And he goes, thanks. The look on his face when he said thanks to me seemed very genuine. Like he was surprised that I said that to him. He's a good actor. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I said, you're an American icon. And he's like, wow, thanks. And like, he seemed like genuinely uh, appreciative. And I said, oh, and I went about my business. But let me tell you something. If you're ever around the Ralphs in Studio City, Ventura Boulevard, Vineland, that's the place to be to run into celebrities. Not the West Side. No. I've seen more celebrities in the San Fernando Valley in my life yeah. than Hollywood or the West Side. Well, that's a good story. That was my incident with John Cryer, Ducky. So as they walk in, they run into Tori. Hang on. Is Tori dressed as Madonna like a virgin? Yes, she is. Okay. She's in a like a virgin Madonna mode. Here. On skates. Yeah. Zinging through there. And there's no love lost between Sam and Tori. No. This goes back to the beach club incident. But Miguel steps in and he's super friendly and introducing everyone together yeah. because he's dating Tori now and he's completely fine with the fact that Sam's moved on. Yeah. Which is at least that's my perception. And you can tell there's some hostility there, but Tori purposely goes out of her way to kiss Miguel. Oh, yeah. As she exits and has to continue working. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of when I was in Blockbuster Video many years ago. My girlfriend was waiting in the car and I ran into John a Victoria's Cryer. Secret. No, I ran into a Victoria's Secret model and I started flirting with her. And I swear to God, she kind of responded to me. My girlfriend ran out of the car, ran into Blockbuster Video, put her hand out in between and says, hi, I'm Sal's girlfriend. Wow. So this kind of reminded me of that. When your girlfriend just steps in there like, hey, here I am. And you were almost there. I was almost there. By the way, the Victoria's Secret model, Leanne tweeted. Nice. Or is that Fredericks? I think she did Fredericks. Oh, Fredericks, there we go. Okay. Even, even hotter. That makes more sense. Even sexier. So now we're back at the bar and Johnny has a drink with the woman who bumped into him. And this is a perfect match. If you're watching their dynamic, yeah. if you see, you know, they're kind of the same age range. This is like the perfect girl for Johnny. Like, this is a good thing. Yeah, right they're now. getting along great. Yeah, like he met his match in this woman here. So as she excuses herself and goes to the restroom, Johnny overhears and sees Carmen's new boyfriend, Graham. Graham, the British guy. And he overhears his plans of what he wants to do with Carmen. Yeah, this is pretty hard to hear because, you know, I have nothing but warm feelings for Carmen. She's a good mother. Yeah. He says, she's good for a few bangs and I'll drop her. That was my attempt. That was Australian. That was Graham. That was Graham as an Aussie. Yeah. yeah, he says she's good for a few bangs. Like, look, who look, talks dude. Like that? I'm a guy. Yeah. Who talks like that? Seriously. She's good for a few bangs, then I'll drop her. That's ridiculous. That's terrible. Oh, because he doesn't want to raise her kid. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. We haven't even gotten to that yet. I mean, really, just a horrible thing to say to his buddy in the bar, right? And yeah, Johnny overhears this. Right. So, back at the skating rink, Sam and Robbie skate as OMD's classic hit, If You Leave, comes on. Yeah. Now, that is also the climactic song in Pretty in Pink. Okay. That I didn't know. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful scene. And Robbie apparently put a request in with the DJ. Is that, if you leave, don't leave mm -hmm. now, I won't wait you got it. a single day. Okay. I Ducky winds up with Christy Swanson. Mm -hmm. Molly Ringwald winds up with Andrew McCarthy. James Spader looks on, disappointed. But hey, you know what? That scene, he might have been wearing the white outfit. Okay, maybe the white that was suit. A I got to go back and look at that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many homages and throwbacks to the 80s. These little hidden Easter eggs, I guess, there for are. lack of a better term. There right? are. Yeah, you got to really pay attention here. I mean, I miss a lot. I suffer from cinemanesia where I forget movies. I forget scenes. Yeah. I know Jason doesn't. Jason remembers stuff. No, I don't. I don't forget. Yeah, you don't. Know, I forget movies. I've seen every movie we've mentioned so far. I forgot so much. Do you remember recording the other podcast that we did? I remember the last two. <laughs> two, yeah. We've done a lot. So Samantha has a skate malfunction, and she's got to go in and swap out her skates. Well, because she's in a rental skate. And if yeah. you know anything about rental skates, they They're suck. not good. They're no, not good. You want to have your own skates. But you go with the rental, it's much like a bowling shoe. You're stuck with whatever they give you. But Miguel looks at this as an opportunity to go over and clear the air. Not to hook up with her. Miguel has seriously moved on. Miguel is at heart a peacemaker. 
Yeah, he really is. He is. He's a peaceful young man. He's a peacemaker. And he just wants to clear the air and make things right. So he goes over there and Tori oversees what's going on. But we'll get to that. And Samantha kind of goes off on him for dating someone like Tori. Like taking that stance. Immediately dismissing her character. It's a bad person. And can't believe that Miguel's dating someone like that. But then I think there's also a callback to the Canyon Party, right? When Miguel's like, oh, this isn't a date? Yeah, I've heard that one before. Meaning their first date at golf and stuff. Exactly. That was um, not a date. But for all intents and purposes, that was a wonderful date. And they wound up making out in that date. Yeah. So Miguel's in his head probably picturing Robbie and Samantha making out. But he's fine with that. But she's picking on his new girl. Yeah. And Miguel takes issue with that. He's going to defend the person he's with. And meanwhile, Tori oversees this whole exchange. Yeah. And she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know if Miguel's trying to make moves on his ex or what have you. But it's noted. So now we're back with Johnny and he sees Carmen's boyfriend making out with the woman at this point in time. Yeah. Well, Johnny thinks he's got to do something here because he sees really Miguel's mother being uh, slighted or uh, what is it? Marginalized by her new guy. Right. It's one thing to say, I want to hook up with her and move on. But now he has literally moved in on another woman. Yeah. So, you know, and I was surprised to see this because, I mean, Johnny and this girl are pretty much a perfect match. Absolutely. She's like a female Johnny. Yeah. But then he's like, "Uh, I got to go. He puts down money, says goodbye and goes outside where the guy was outside pissing. Graham is outside pissing. Because the men's restroom was closed. Yeah, well, it said like out of order. And he says, oh, the USA is all broken down. He makes some sort of jab at the US about being broken down or something like that. So he goes outside to piss. Yeah. Johnny comes out to follow him. And at first, Graham's like, oh, yeah, room for one more, like to piss, right? Yeah. So Johnny waits for him to get finished. Does he wait for him to get finished? Yes. I think he does. Johnny says, first off, I heard what you were saying about Carmen. Yeah. Right. So he lets him know what he's. And then he remembers who Johnny was. Yeah. Oh, you're that bloke. Did he say bloke? Uh, probably does. Johnny's a bloke. You're that bloke that lives in the building. Oh, you fancy her. And he said you fancy her. For you Americans, fancy means like you like or you have a crush on somebody. If you fancy them. But Johnny tells him what he thinks about it, what he's done. And the guy makes a move on him. Knowing he's a karate teacher. Yeah. Sensei. So when we first meet Graham, when he's with Carmen. We hear her say, referring to Johnny, he teaches my son karate. So Graham knows, or he should know, this guy knows karate. And he's got a hard handshake. Yes. So Graham did a stupid move. Yeah, he made a move on Johnny. Johnny wasn't going to fight him. He was going to tell him what he thought and to stay the heck away. But he came at him. Yeah, he did. So Johnny roughed him up. (laughs) My favorite part of this exchange, (laughs) which made me laugh out loud. So Johnny's ready to finish him off. He's got a garbage can lid in his hand, ready to finish off Graham after giving him a, a couple of maneuvers, putting him on the ground. And Johnny says, you're lucky I'm showing mercy. And Graham says, this is mercy? <laughs> yeah. I thought that yeah. was so hilarious. He's already on the ground being bested and shamed. And this is mercy? So Johnny's like, stay away from her. And then the guy goes, I'm going to ghost her. Yeah. And Johnny's like, huh? Yeah. Huh? No clue. What? But I do like he mentions ghosting. That was good. And then the guy's like, okay, I'll stay away from her. I'll never talk to her again. And Johnny's like, okay, fine. I'll stay away from her, mate. I'm sorry, mate. That was good. That's better. That's better. Now we're back at the skating rink and Robbie mentions that people think he's Dan Johnson. Yeah. Hilarious. Dan Johnson. (laughs) Not Don Johnson or Sonny Crockett from Miami Vice. And Samantha has no clue. That reference is lost on her, our young generation Zier. Which I did think was interesting because they all knew who Patrick Swayze was. Immediately. Yet didn't know who Dan, jo- Dan Johnson. There is no I Dan guess the Johnson. one vowel difference would throw you off. And I would say, if you look at the scheme of things, that Patrick Swayze is a bigger star, was a bigger star yeah. than Don Johnson. Absolutely. So then Tori comes in and trips Sam, who then takes down Tori. Well, I thought we were going to see a karate match on skates, which would never have been done on film before, ever. This would be a first. Probably too hard to execute. That would have been interesting. In this moment, I'm thinking, if they're going to go toe-to-toe, wheel-to-wheel, Tori has to win here. Yeah. She's more experienced on skates, I think, than Sam. Right. You know, skate-to-skate, Tori's going to win. But it doesn't happen. No. She takes out Tori, although... I want to say that I think Tori did it knowing 
that Sam would retaliate. Mm-hmm. And Tori had food. Sure. She had a tray of food. Sure. She's a server. Yeah. She wipes out. Food goes flying. Everyone, like in sports, if you foul somebody and they retaliate, the retaliator always gets the call. Yeah. They always see the second person. Sure. So Tori went by a little bump, a little trip. No one saw it. Hey, whatever. No one, no one saw that. Everybody saw her come at her maliciously yeah. and take her out. Sure. Even Miguel. So what you saw, shocked. you see a patron assaulting an employee. Exactly. Yeah. Security's there. You're out of there. Yeah. Both of them are out. Robbie and yep. Samantha. Kicks them out. And you could see Tori's face. She knew what she did. Yeah. yeah. So. She's methodical. Very much. And I'm not saying she's wrong. She's got under Samantha's skin and vice versa. And that's what happens. Samantha has that Daniel temper. I just want to know at this moment in time, Tori did her business we all saw what went down at the roller rink. Is Tori really on Team Miguel? I don't think we know yet. It's too early to tell. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Tori is the Robbie of season two. <laughs> You're right. You know, because Robbie, Robbie popped in at some point in time in what season one, and we're like, whoa, who's this guy? And then he kind of got acclimated. Tori came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and now we're starting to get a sense, but we don't really know enough yet. Yeah. She shared some things, but we don't know about her character. No. So we'll see. Well, we know about her character. Yeah, it's unpredictable. Yeah, we just wonder if that's her, her overall persona to carry through the show. Or she's got a tough exterior, yeah. like guarded. a Robbie, very guarded. Yeah. Who knows what things were really like. Mm-hmm. What she tells us could be far from the truth. We don't know. Yeah. So what we have definitely is we have the current girlfriend at odds with the ex-girlfriend. Yeah, which is not uncommon. Sure. So now we're at LaRusso Auto, and Daniel is looking pretty sharp. Black tie, and he's trying to make things up to Amanda. Yeah, he is doing everything to try to make things right for their marriage, trying to apologize, said I'm sorry multiple times. And I think he's genuine. You know, he, he, oh, he's super genuine. Yeah, he doesn't want to hurt his wife. What does he tell his mother? Amanda has not accepted my grand gestures thus far. Yeah. So he had to go much bigger than he's been going. Yeah. And he shows Amanda a photo of them 16 years ago from their first LaRusso Auto opening. Okay, so which city was this? Was well, I don't know. Encino, North Hollywood, Woodland Hills? I'm not sure where the first one was. I'd guess Encino, but I'm not sure. And in this photo, Amanda's pregnant with Samantha. Yeah. That's a great photo. Sure. It really captures them at that point in their lives. Yeah, so then they go into the photo, and now we're in the scene. Now we're in the scene. Yeah. Of 16 years earlier, and they share a sparkling cider in the back of a car. Yeah, non-alcoholic. She's pregnant. Yeah. It's a really touching scene. One of the cars for sale. Yeah, one right of the there cars the for sale. And so he's now recreating that moment. And this time, though, it's alcoholic. She's not pregnant. And they're in the back of one of the cars, recreating that toast, that connection. But this time, Chicago's You're an Inspiration Place. And it's a very romantic and sweet song. It's a great song. You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. Yeah, come on. It's amazing. He probably loved it back when he was dating Allie. Sure. So it was always in his repertoire. Mm-hmm. And Amanda's a little bit younger than Daniel, and she probably has an appreciation for it too. Sure. I was wondering if they're alluding to them making a third child. Are they making a third child in the back of this car? Because remember, the camera pans out and they're just sitting in the car drinking champagne. No, that only happens when they roll around on the karate mat. Was that only Samantha and Anthony created on the karate mat? As far as we know, it was only Anthony that was spawned from the karate mat. Okay. Well, I was just wondering if they're going to make a third child here is what I wonder. That would be a serious plot twist <laughs> for the future seasons. Now we're at Johnny's apartment and Carmen is outside having been stood up by Graham. Yes. And looking beautiful and sexy. In this, like, flowery summer dress. And Johnny says to forget about that guy, and any guy would be lucky to go out with her. And Carmen says, are you asking me out? And Johnny says, what if I am? Wow. Sal, dreams Uh. do come true. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? This is one of those situations not unlike Robbie and Samantha. So Robbie was reluctant to get together with Samantha because of his situation yeah so i just wondering how this is going to play out yeah with johnny 
hooking up with his student's mother. But I don't think this is hooking up. I think there could be a much stronger connection here. When I say hooking up, I just mean getting together. Not in the sense that the phrase hooking up has evolved and changed over the years. When I was young, hooking up just meant getting together with somebody. Right. Now hooking up, I think, means like one night stand or sex. No, I don't think that Johnny's looking at Carmen in that way. No, no, no. I think he's looking at her for a serious relationship. Like you could be a girlfriend. Yeah. You could be a life partner. Sure. Because you can't forget that Miguel's part of the package. Yeah. No. And he's thinking about that. And I loved Carmen's reaction because when she goes, are you asking me out? She probably meant it as like as a joke. And then he goes, what if I am? And her reaction was taken aback. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. Like finally. Yeah. So the episode ends there. What an episode. <sighs> I cannot wait to get to episode nine and 10. This what was the name of this episode again? Glory of Love. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Every, everyone's getting together in this episode. I'm surprised Dimitri hasn't met somebody yet. It's true. He wasn't really a big part of this episode, although he did find the Medal of Honor that Robbie so conveniently left on some rocks. But we have the blossoming love between Robbie and Sam. Yes. Between Miguel and Tori. Yep. And now potentially between Johnny and Carmen. And Daniel and Amanda rekindling. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. We just need Daniel's mother to find a mate. You know what? Daniel's mother never got remarried after the death of Daniel's father. And that's very Well, sad. we don't know that. We don't know. But no, I really would like to think that somebody can, after the death of a spouse especially, find love again. And that was 35 years ago. Yeah. I tend to think that there was more romances and potentially another husband. I really do. That would be nice. Yeah. Sure. And there could be a current husband and she's just traveling. We don't know that either. There's some things left to be learned. Oh, man, I'm on an emotional ride here. Two more episodes, end of the season. I'm going to mourn. When this season ends and we're going to have a gap between season two and season three, I'm going to have some mourning to do. But I'm going to keep you busy because I plan to have a few more special episodes. Well, we did the special episode on Karate Kid. We're going to do Karate Kid 2 special episode. And then you have to finally watch Karate Kid 3. So we can do that one as well. Well, because when, when we get into Karate Kid 2, when they go to Okinawa, yes. I'm going to share my personal stories about when I was in Okinawa. That is pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. And we'd greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you have the time to leave us a short review, it would truly help us as well. We also encourage our listeners to follow us on social media at Let's Talk Cobra Kai for Facebook and Instagram and at Talk Cobra Kai on Twitter. And if you have any questions, that's a great place to message us. Lastly, you can now become an official supporter of Let's Talk Cobra Kai on Patreon. And you can stream every episode as well as our other shows from our website, which is justcuriousmedia.com. Thanks so much. No mercy.